You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg, and everyone, Wayne, is waiting for the Fed. And they're always waiting for the Fed, but tonight I think yes. they're waiting for the Fed even more closely and even more nervously because there's a game to play between reducing inflation, which is a mandate of the Fed, of course, and also not crimping growth so much and not causing a banking crisis. Very interesting, I think. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think it's more of the the banking crisis that that worries them. Mm. But make no mistake, inflation is still enemy number one. Yeah. So I still think we're going to get a quarter of a percent. But there's lots of talk around about no increase because of the banking crisis. But you know whether you drop or whether you don't increase by a quarter percent isn't going to all of a sudden make the bank solvent. Eh? No, and if you have a look at one particular example, and you're going to tell me your views on the so-called banking crisis, the mini crisis that we are currently enduring, which started, I think, Thursday or Friday last week. So we haven't mm. spoken since then. If you look at a company, a regional bank like First Republic, it's under, it was in really big trouble. And a consortium got together, probably backed by the Fed, came along and gave them 30 billion. And the share price is still down 99% from its high. So it's, it's, yeah. it's a very difficult one. What do you make of it all? Look, I don't think this is a major crisis. There were a few banks that didn't hedge their interest rate risk properly and they were caught, you know, with their pants down when the long bonds went up. And then all of a sudden, a few rumors started that they might be in trouble. And then you get a classic run on the bank. Now, Credit Suisse has been mismanaging their business for 10 years, if not longer. Yes. You know, so that's not news, that one either. And then I think Signature Bank and all the other ones are, are a similar thing. You know, the number of banks in America has reduced dramatically since that one banking law came out. When was that? 25 years ago? Uh, what's that? I mean, um, were, there were, there were, Frank Dodds, there were 20, Dodds Frank or something? Frank Dodds Frank, something like that. Yeah. That's it, yeah. I mean, at that stage, I think there were 20,000 banks in America. Now, there's only about 3,000 banks. Mm. Now, 3,000 banks is a lot of banks. There's a lot of small ones as well that, you know, that are subjective, subject to the classic run on the bank. I mean, we've only had, since I've been involved in investments, we've only had one run on the bank, and that was Samba. Yeah. That was the only run on the bank we've experienced. And even that, I think, was relatively mild. But if you take a Silicon Valley bank, I mean, didn't they have 90 billion pulled from them? It wasn't a massive number in the big scheme of things, but it was enough to, to worry a sector that has done so yeah. well for the stock market. So, of course... Because it's, it's, it's interesting. Hmm. You know, if, if, if every... Okay, first of all, they clearly didn't manage their duration and interest rate risk that people could actually go and pull their money out on call and bankrupt the bank. You know, the bank should have... I, I don't know whether it's possible, should have got longer-term money... But I suppose they couldn't attract longer-term money when long bond rates were 0.6%. You know, very few people, unless you uh, are a life assurer and you want to, and you've written annuities at 0.6, then you can maybe take some duration at 0.6. But otherwise, everyone will go short because interest rates are going to go up. I mean, they were, they were always 
going to go up from 0.6%. So maybe they couldn't hedge their risk, but I suppose they could have done an interest rate swap, but it doesn't matter. They got into trouble. And But I don't think this banking crisis, by and large, I think the worst is behind us. And I think the Fed will increase interest rates by, by a quarter of a percent. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a consensus view. And if yes. the consensus view is still keeping the markets relatively stable, with the S&P, for example, above 4,000, but still mid-range, then everything's going to be fine. Unless, of course, uh, Mr. Powell says something silly afterwards or something that the market thinks is silly and says, right, and we've got to keep an eye on this because, as you quite rightly say, uh, inflation is public enemy number one, as it is in the UK, for example. The UK's got a problem now. Yes. 10.4%. I mean, that's that's a big number. It's, it's supposed, massive. It's supposed it's to be number. coming down. It's not coming down at Listen, all. That, that's a big number. That's a big number for South Africa. Yeah. And we got 7% you know, today, the, didn't we? You can yeah. imagine how big it is. You know, you know, in South Africa, our inflation for a long time was probably average 4%, and now it's 7%, 8%, wherever it is, 6 7 8%. I can't remember now. 7 it came out today. But in the UK, where you've averaged, when you've averaged 2 and it's now over 10, hmm. you, you, you feel the pinch, eh? Well, you do. And the other thing is that it's the poorest people that get the short end of the stick because food inflation yeah, is 18% they now. It's the highest level for yeah. 45 years. So, I mean, if you're spending yeah. more, if you're a relatively low-income household, you're spending more percentage-wise on food and shelter and that sort of thing than a richer family. So a richer family can absorb it. But the poor people, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, yeah. it's classic general election stuff and vote someone else in from what I can gather. But, yeah, I know. I got you on that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we're talking about a quarter of a percent rise. I'm just trying to think of previous bank crises. I read an article on Bloomberg in the last couple of days by um, the economic historian uh, Neil Ferguson, who's a terribly, terribly brainy, I mean, scarily brainy bloke. And he was talking about 1984, Continental Illinois went bust. I don't know if you remember that, if you were in the markets then. No, no, no. In 84, I wasn't in the markets, no. Okay. Nor was I. Uh, who was I? I know I was at university in 1984. And then, um, of course, 2007, 2008, which is the worst one. But which just is a big one, yeah. Yeah, put it into context. It's not going to develop into something as big as the global financial crisis. But also, you've got no, the banks. The, the banks. The, the banks they, get they rescued, actually, don't they? Surpri- they? Yeah. But, but surprisingly enough, we can't get another global financial crisis because the instruments and the debt that actually caused the global financial crisis is not around anymore. That was legislated out of the system. Okay. So in other words, they they cannot, in our lifetimes, there won't be another global financial crisis as we saw in 2008, because literally they've taken that debt, that debt no longer sits in the system. So it's gone. I'll write that down. Not another global financial crisis in yeah, Wayne's what, what lifetime. What caused the global? Mm. Yeah, in your lifetime as well. You know, legislate. In other words, if you look, it's interesting. This looking at politicians and legislation. So, in the seventies and eighties, banks were heavily regulated. In, in in America, in particular, banks were heavily, heavily regulated, and then. The banks started moaning and consumers started moaning, you're regulating too much, and they loosened the regulation. 
Then, of course, the banks took on massive, massive debt. And then they were regulated against because of the global financial crisis. And then everyone said, oh, we can never let this happen again. So they clamped down on the banks. Now, in 10, 20 years' time, everyone's going to moan, no, you're too hard on the banks. Banks should take on gearing. Banks should be able to offer geared products. Banks should be able to speculate with their own capital. And then there'll be legislation taking out the old legislation. And then 15 years after that, you'll have another global financial crisis because the bank's carrying too much debt and they've got mismatched risk. So these things are all, over a very long time period, cyclical. But this is what Trump tried to do, of course, because it's in his interest to have loads of money sloshing around because he's a failed businessman. So he needed cheap money. So he got rid and lack of regulation. So he started to dismantle Dodds-Frank. And uh, now that uh, Biden is, um, now the, the Democrats are in, has started to be reassembled again, from what I understand. A global financial crisis can be precipitated by m many things. It can be a Chinese property yes, crash, but, but, but not... But, but there won't be, there won't be, mm -hmm. there won't be, it won't be the same. We could easily have another global financial crisis in our lifetimes. In fact, I think we probably will, but it won't be the same. It won't be caused by banks overgearing their balance sheet and having all of that off balance sheet. Because remember the, the primary reason for the global financial crisis was that there were all of these fancy products where mm. you gave the bank $10 and then they borrowed $90 and invested 100 for you. And then all of a sudden, when everything fell apart, that investment wasn't worth 100 anymore, it was worth three. So you lost seven of your capital, but the guys who lent you the 90 lost everything. I remember in 2006, a chap called Peter Schiff, who's a, a sort of an associate of mine, and, and I visited him on a couple of occasions. He lives in Connecticut. He's a bit of a loudmouth and uh, a little bit right wing, but he's good fun. He went on CNBC, and, and it was in 2006, and said, there is a, a housing crisis coming which will cause a run on the banks. That was 2006, and they laughed at him. In fact, it was disrespectfully disparaging of him during this interview. And of course it happened. It was the subprime crisis, if my memory serves me correctly, yes. Wayne, that caused this whole banking disaster in yeah, 2007, it, it, it 2008. Gearing, it, it was gearing in the banking system. Mm. You could go and buy three houses and not pay anything back for the first two years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember what there was, was the, a... What was the acronym? Uh, it's not Dinky because that's dual income, no kids. <laughs> but it was something like no job, no money, no income. Yes, exactly. What was it again? I can't remember. No assets. Wasn't it no, no, no assets... No assets, no Ninja. Income. I think it was the ninja loans. Ninja, no income, no assets. No job or something, yeah. And I don't know what the A was at yeah, the end, it but it was a ninja loan. Job. Yes, that's right. It was the ninja loan. That's right. I remember now. Thanks for reminding me. I that's forgot about what the name Thank was. you for reminding me. Okay, what about South Africa? Results season is over, Wayne. You're sitting down and saying to yourself, okay, the banks have come down a bit because of other banks coming down a bit elsewhere outside of the borders. Let's get in. Are you still nibbling away here? Yes, definitely. Mm. Banks have come down to very good value levels. I mean, this was now last week. They've rallied strongly Monday and today. Okay, they've had strong rallies. In mean, first rate went under 60 or very close to 60. Yeah. I mean, it's up at about 62, 63. So they have rallied a bit. But at the bottom, 
they were putting putting Capitec aside, they were all single digit PE ratios. That's cheaper. Mm. So yes. But 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 even more importantly, with the with the more importantly than the banks, with the fall we've seen in the markets, yes. the mining shares are of value, eh? I'm not sure whether you'd buy them today, but the mining shares are now showing value because effectively they've given back almost all of their gains. And well, certainly platinum shares, I've been spoken about this before, platinum shares are already in buying territory. It doesn't mean they can't fall further. But if you had to buy platinum shares today at this current price, I think you'll be quite happy in three to five years' time. And I thought of you today when I was looking through the Stock Exchange News Service of the JSC Securities Exchange, and I looked at Impala Platinum. And the reason I looked at it was because it says here, came out at two o'clock your time, Impala Platinum Holdings Limited says, notice of beneficial interest in Impala Platinum Holdings Limited Securities. Yes. Uh, so somebody's piled into it. Someone is thinking along Someone's the lines of, of, of McCurry and saying, I must yeah. get into this. Uh, so it amounts to this company. What is it? Which one is it? Oh, it's 91. There you go. Uh, 91 my my friends in Cape Town, yeah. on behalf of its clients, amounts to 5.0248%. So they've been going in. I would imagine it's someone like yeah. John Bickard or someone else uh, like that yeah. doing it. Or um, Hannes van der Beer. My rule of thumb with Amplats yeah. is if it drops below 1,000 Rand, you buy it. And I don't know whether it's there today. I haven't looked, but it was there last week. Yeah, I think it was about 960, 970 at its low recently, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Maybe even yeah. lower. Yeah, but anyway, just some clever people are um, starting to nibble. It's quite a big holding, isn't it? 5% of a platinum company of, of the size of yeah, Impala. I mean, it's, a big, it's a big asset manager. Mm. So 91's, 91 is truly one of the successful asset manager companies in South Africa. So, I mean, I can't talk about myself, because obviously I would say that FNB is a, a, a hmm. successful asset manager. Well, but just putting FNB aside now, yes, okay. There's, there's, and I know there's a few smaller operations. Foot, I know, is a very good asset manager, but talking the big guys now, the, the big gorillas. Coronation 91 and Alan Gray are truly shown their strength over long time periods. I know Coronation now maybe isn't doing so well, but I mean, these are very good asset management houses. Yeah, I, I have to say, now, uh, Hendrick, I, I don't know how they do it, really. He can't be a spring chicken anymore. Hendrick Dutoy. You know, my age, I know he's significantly, I think he's as fit now at his current age as when I was in the army of the basics. In your 20s, in other words? In my, I was 17. Oh, I see, okay. How does he find the time when he's, he's when, he's, when he's making so much money to go cycling and go to the gym uh, twice a day and that sort of thing? How does he forget the motivation? I mean, you said you couldn't walk between a wall and a pole in your garage where all your garage. beautiful cars are because you'd uh, you know put on a put on a bit of beef there. But he, he's yeah, a bit, he of, a bit of lockdown. Mm. No, he hasn't. No. Now I can remember once we went with Hendrik. It was another some some stockbroking firm back in the old old days when stockbroking firms could still take you for jollies. Oh yeah, we went to Victoria Falls, mm. 
and uh, Hendrik was also invited along. And when you went whitewater rafting, and it is truly fantastic. I would thoroughly recommend it to anyone who hasn't done it. It is truly uh, a, a, a exhilarating and fantastic experience. I did it when, However, in 1988, uh, 88, 89, I went Yeah, I I've done there. it about five times, in fact, over the years. And it's, I, I found it, uh, you know, I'm a bit, of a, a, a bit of a pansy when it comes to that sort of thing, but I must admit, I enjoyed it. I was with three chaps all over six foot two, and we had to go to the front of the dinghy, of the, of the, of the, the rubber dinghy. thingy, the rubber boat. And so you could plunge through those waves. I think there's something like 17 rapids, aren't there, that right. I had to endure. It was fantastic fun, but I never do it again. Side. Mm. I've done it from both the Zimbabwe side and the Zambian side. Mm. It's spectacular. But there is one serious challenge, and that's climbing, climbing out back of the up. gorge when you finished. Yes, that is the that is exhausting. Well, now the reason why I'm giving you this story cool. is when I went there, and Hendrik was there. Mm. He ran up and down three times in the time it took me to get up once to help other people and carry stuff, and he actually carried some people up the gorge. And he, he was up and down three times in the time it took me to do it once. In a way, I find that irritating, but well done to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I also find it irritating, damn it. <laughs> exactly, how dare he? No. How dare anyway, he? anyway. Mm. You're, you're saying that he I started have other it. Redeeming, he, I have other redeeming qualities. Yeah, you've, you hide them well, but that, that's okay. That's between you and your yeah, partner. Yeah, I hide them well, but I have other redeeming qualities. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Speaking of which, now we've talked about the markets and we're waiting for the Fed. We can talk about food. Now, mine's not a good yes. story, but it's an interesting one because uh, it's all to do with not the food itself, but the um, the juices that flow when you see a certain food program. Never, ever watch a food channel when you're hungry, Wayne, because you, you and oh, I yes. talk about food. And I know that yes, you just want, never, you want to go out and buy food now after most of our never shows. Never go shopping when you're hungry either. No. Never go no. shopping for no. food when you're hungry. Never. Can't do that. No. But if what, you're hungry and you want to, and you've got to shop, go eat something first, then go shop. Yes. Um, but yes. I, w I was watching, it was, it, Same it, principle. It, it was a Jamie Oliver one, you know, he's got lots of programs, but he, it was a vegetarian one. But the interesting thing about this was he went to India and he walked around the streets of Calcutta where, going to different food stalls on the streets, street food, you know, and watched these people, these very, very clever Indian vendors cooking these most delicious dishes and i know you like meat but even without the meat these things were extraordinary and i immediately had to phone up an indian restaurant and order some food it was this this, this like um what's that dog the pavlov's dog or something reaction i had pavlov's to dog, yeah, yeah I, I had to have an indian meal and the other thing i did was i emptied three boxes which has been staring at me for, uh, for two or three months now and they're full of cookbooks and I had a look at all these cookbooks and I was also hungry and I started paging through them and I realized there was about 720 recipes in these books that I've got. I've probably got about 27 of them. And I could cook a new meal every single day for the next two years, which I don't, of course, but I just love, the, love yeah, having yeah. them there as trophies. I don't know if you use cookbooks or you just do it for memory, but goodness no, me, they got me hungry. We haven't got, we haven't got that many. We haven't got that many, mm. but they sit in the cupboard. Now, I must say the, 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 the world's biggest, and I, had a lamb chops masala mm. last night for dinner. Really? We bought it out from an Indian place, but it, it was 
really, really good. And I said to them, so we got each got one helping. Hmm. Uh, the world's biggest got a medium, and they and I said I want a hot, and they said how hot? I said hot. Give me your full your full strength one. And I tried the whole thing, and it was fantastic. But damn it, it was hot. Eh? You had to have a glass of milk, sort of during the meal, but it was fantastic. I, I, I must say, it was it, it was fantastic. Yeah, too hot is not good. I mean, there's always a, a thing in England where a lot of lads would go out on a Friday night and, and fall out of the pub at 11 o'clock and there's still an Indian restaurant open. And they sort of... Have As a they would be. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> they always have a competition, you know, to see who can eat the hottest. And invariably, the Vindaloo is the hottest. And of course, yes. in the taxi on the way home, they're not feeling that great. They are. They're not, they're not in good condition to start off with. <laughs> Okay. All right, Wayne. Well, I look forward to... Um, oh, God, I'm hungry again. Um, I look forward to uh, speaking to you next week. Thank you very much for your insight on both food and markets. That's Wayne McCurry from FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. And that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.